Yes, yes, team. So this might be one of, if not the most favorite podcast I have ever, ever shot. And it was actually shot on Paul Standall, the co-founder of the PT Project, on the PT Project podcast. On there, they speak all about biomechanics, training, coaching online, how to get results. So if that's your thing, I would definitely recommend checking it out. But Paul showed he had a huge amount of heart, huge amount of openness, huge amount of vulnerability. And quite frankly, I don't have another politically correct term, but just a huge pair of balls to go to the depths that he did. And in this session, we were able to, or in this, in this podcast, he actually said, can we just do a session? Can we just give this a go? And uh, what started as a quest for a little bit more performance turned into a journey of self-discovery. And you're going to get an insight as to what doing some of the work actually looks like. Now, not every single session is like this. This is a typical session that we would have in our, what we call our foundations phase in our one-to-one -one evolution program. If you're wondering what on earth that is, so we have a 18-week one-to-one mental performance coaching program that's going to teach you how to master your emotions, minimizing anxious overwhelm, getting control, getting more shit done, and getting the clarity that you need to take you and your performance to another level. So in the foundations phase, it's very much some of the deeper work like we encountered on that call. So it's going into some of the deeper emotions like fear, anxiousness, overwhelm, insecurity, self-doubt, guilt, shame, anger, sadness, whatever it might be. And in that foundations phase, really, we're doing two things. Number one, we're putting in the foundations of those deeper mental and emotional blocks. And then we're also helping our clients create structure. So structuring their time, structuring their planning so they can get more shit done. That's the first six, six week phase of our, uh, of our program. And in this session, luckily where Paul has done some of this work before, he was able to get there pretty quick. So he, we essentially run through what would have been um, both the discovery call of what we would run through with uh, a TMP client in the first, first 10 or 20 minutes. Uh, and then as it goes into the what we call the intervention, I used a timeline technique to help him get to the root cause of some of those emotions. And what you're going to hear might sound a little bit scary. It might sound a little bit heavy. It might sound a little bit, whoa, I had no idea. I thought it was just peak performance and productivity hacks. Yeah, we've got all of that. That's in our mastery and our peak phases of our one-to-one -one evolution program. But here we were able to get to the root cause pretty quick in a really beautiful and deep way. So I just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to, uh, to Paul for offering himself up like that to, uh, to do some of the work. And it'll give you an insight. Some of it will make sense. Some of it won't make sense. Some of it will think, what on earth? This sounds crazy. But just go with it. Give it a listen. Go in with a curious, open mind. Because this is the sort of work that top performers around the industry is doing. When you look up at our clients, you go, wow, they work with those clients. How have they got those results? How have they done that? These are the hard conversations that everyone else is afraid to have. Everyone else is afraid to go in there. What if I open the Pandora's box? What's it going to mean for me? Am I still going to be able to work on the things I have in my business whilst doing your work, doing my current work? Yes, absolutely you can. All of our clients are doing it. All of our team are doing it. I'm still doing that work, yet still performing and pulling off things I never thought that was possible. So make yourself comfortable. It's a, it's a big listen. Give it a listen. 
And if you found it helpful, then please do share it. Share it with others. Share it to your story. Drop me a message. Drop Paul a message. We want to take this stuff out to the world. That's why I'm hiring team members uh, as, as quickly as we can get high-quality team members. This is why our, we're taking our one-to-one program around the globe now. Because I truly believe the world needs to be doing this work, not from a place of I'm broken, but from a place of things are good, but I want to get to great. And if that sounds like you, I think you're going to really enjoy this episode and feel free to, uh, to drop us a message. And if you get to the end of the episode and you think, you know what, I want to try some of this work too, then just head to our Instagram, learn the bio, drop in an application, reference this podcast specifically, and there'll be a special bonus for you. Anyway, make yourself comfy. And dive in. Mr. TMP himself is with us today. Kieran, if we jump straight in, I thought we could do something kind of cool with this. And this could completely backfire because I'm springing this on him as I'm saying this because he doesn't know what I'm about to say. And I've had this conversation with other people in different formats about certain topics being abstract, right? So I did one with, with Josh Taylor about content creation. And I was like, one of the biggest problems I think about content creation when coaches are listening to it is they hear the abstract principles and they don't see it applied, right? And sometimes seeing like the process, seeing how the meat is made, right? Or how the sausage is made to some degree is is often useful. So I was like, I was curious to maybe play about with going through some of the things you go through with clients and just fucking, I'm a pretty open book and I've been through a bunch of therapy, so I have no qualms being open and honest about kind of whatever is going on, but going like, can we give people an insight into what you help with, how you help with that kind of stuff? Because so many coaches struggle with the mental aspect, whether it's in their personal life or their professional life or the bleed between the two. And I almost sometimes think they, because they're alien to that world, they don't know what it really looks like or what it entails. So is is there some wheels in this? Do you think this is possible? A hundred percent, mate. Look, the number one value at TMP is be water. We adapt, we create, we deliver. So if you're going to hit a puzzle at me, if I can't be water and I can't embody that, then what's the fucking point? So yeah, man, let's, uh, let's do it. I'm in. So there's a couple of ways we can do this. One is we can treat this as almost like a, an exploratory discovery tool. And I'll ask you a few questions and, and we can go that route. You might sure. have a specific puzzle where you already know, no, no, I, this is one thing I'm fascinated by, mate. Why, why do I do that? Why do, why, why does this happen? And um, yeah. we can go that way. Um, you'd let me know which one you want to go down and we can play. Let's do the, let's do the first one because there isn't actually something that I'm coming in being like, fucking Karen, I know this is, this is my bag of, of terror and shit. Like, what am I struggling with? I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm curious and open. So let's, let's maybe try that one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, if we, if we look at what is total mental performance, how do you achieve total mental performance? For us, it's the ability to uh, achieve psychological freedom, not through the absence of suffering. You don't just do TMP and you don't suffer anymore. No, no. In spite of suffering, being able to perform regardless of how you think and feel, regardless of limiting beliefs, regardless of big mental health puzzles that can come in and cripple you and how you can get back on the horse much faster. So uh, I guess my first question would be, um, on a scale of one to 10, if you, if you look at your personal performance, the way that you think, feel and perform, where would you put yourself on that? 10 out of 10 could not be better, mate. I'm fucking on fire. One out of 10 can't get out of bed. Can't do anything. I'm fucking useless. Five out of 10 hit and miss. Some days good. Some days really not good up and down. Where would you put yourself on that scale? Currently probably a seven and a half. I think we could probably subdivide it and go, there are facets. I think I do very well. And 
you know, like I don't think there's too much that needs to be improved there. It's I'm pretty consistent. I'm I'm confident. I'm comfortable with that bit. And then other bits less. I'm sure everyone's in the same in this boat of going. It varies across time. If you asked me this in February this year when my life fell apart, it would be a fucking big fat zero. Um, if you ask it me now, it's it's as good as it's been this year. But yeah, there's there's definitely still scope for figuring some of that out. Great, excellent. And this is where a lot of coaches and clients think. Oh, I don't need to work for mindset coach because my life isn't falling apart. But performance isn't that. It yeah. isn't that. It isn't just a big sad sorry fest and rebuilding from scratch. It is it doesn't matter if you look at the TMP logo, it's got the red and the blue. The red stands for protection and scarcity. The blue is for growth and abundance. And our job, regardless as to where you are on that scale, is to keep nudging you along towards the blue. So seven and a half. Okay. In terms of how you think and how you feel specifically. What would need to happen? What would need to change in order for us to take that from a seven and a half to a 10? I think the spread of workload, I think I'm arguably spreading myself possibly a bit thin um, within that. And I don't think I've quite got the balance right yet of how much work I want to do with some of my personal stuff and how much like unwinding, refreshing, recharging stuff I'm doing at the moment I feel like I'm running near the burnout meter and every little thing that doesn't go quite right takes more out of me than I think that it should yeah okay how do you do in your uh, in your downtime just white space in the diary when you've got nothing going on how does that work for you I don't know if you guys will be able to hear the lovely background noise that Kieran has yeah, just going probably me that is the tofu being clean so hopefully yeah. we can get out the audio I think that should be okay Hopefully. If not, if you can hear it, I, we apologize. It should be quite quiet in the background noise of it, but I thought I'd acknowledge it just in case they're like, why is he still to hear? So why is he still to uh, So can you say that again for me one more time? Never. Yeah. So think about that time when you don't have... Uh, what do uh, I do with my downtime space? Yeah. yeah. Well, not, not, what do you, not what do you do, but if you have lots of white space, yeah. what happens? Is it, oh, this is nice. I can relax. I can calm down. Is there an element of anxiousness? Is there an element of itchiness i've got to do something i've got to what happens uh it varies actually so it varies it depends on like if i've just lost a client or something like that there's often i would call it like a morning phase mm. right and that can that itself varies in length like if everything's going well that morning phase might be 20 minutes where you feel a bit ah oh, right and that it has different feelings based on whether they left for good reasons they achieved all their yeah. stuff or you felt like you let them down and thankfully i don't have much of that these days so that's good mm. but you know, there's a bit of more. If there's like a few happen in a row and, you know, maybe you've got more punches to the face than you'd like in terms of what was kind of going on versus what you expected, maybe that takes a bit longer. So that could be 20 minutes and I'll still work through it and fine up to I'm going to go lay on the sofa for three hours and mong out and do very little until I feel more like myself and, and crack back on because I find it difficult to concentrate effectively and do tasks when in that boat. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And then maybe the other one was, uh, so that would be in those situations. Otherwise, if it's downtime and in a solid spot, that's often fine. Like, I'll get angsty to do things. Like, I don't like sitting around doing very little for very long, but I have quite a few hobbies and things I like doing. So they will alternate between I'll play music for a bit because I'm like, cool, I want to learn this thing or what have you. Or I read a lot, so it'll be whatever history book or thing that I'm kind of reading at the time. Or maybe I'll play a game or I'll see a friend. So if I'm in a good spot, I really like my downtime. And that open space is not a stress or a drama. So it's more maybe the 
yeah, the reaction to the negative event and maybe how long that takes to feel back to normal from. Got it. Brilliant. So on the emotional side of when things aren't going so well, because a big part of uh, achieving total mental performance is the ability to have emotional resilience, which you have and everybody's got, but it's there's levels and there's levels and there's levels. And a lot of it is how quickly can you get back to the good spots on an emotional level and how quickly can you surrender to those thoughts, to those feelings. So let's say you're in a bit of a bad spot, clients left, you've had your ass kicked, maybe you've had one or two kicking the nuts in your personal life. What are the key emotions that come up the most in those moments? Is it fear, anxiety? Is it guilt? Is it anger? Is it what, what, what comes up? Yeah. So I would say at this point, fear, um, which can lead to a sense of anxiety. It's more of a sense of like, you know, fuck if, if people keep leaving or if this stuff keeps kind of going in that direction, all right, okay, so I'm down a, a grand and a half a month or whatever that thing happens to, to be. I pulled that number out because that is specific to this month, right? So there you go, all right, so, okay, that needs, oh, maybe that's good because I actually need some more time freed up to do this other stuff anyway. But there's a there's rarely a sense of guilt. I think I've, I've over time evaluated my systems enough, had enough conversations that clients very rarely now leave for what I would call bad reasons, reasons where I fucked up a little bit. I was like, oh, I didn't listen to them well. I didn't do this. I didn't... That I don't remember the last client that happened with. So it's very rarely guilt now at this point. But there's so there's it's more that fear. Fear is probably the right word for it. Brilliant. Excellent. And I can tell you've done a lot of work from every time we've spoken. I can sense that you have a high level of self-awareness. So if we look at Paul, I mean in and out of therapy or mindset coaching, whatever you've done, how many yep. years would you say you've you've done that for? I like 10. <laughs> right. So imagine a guy that's been 10 years at the gym. That is full. If you're listening to this, you might have worked with a therapist or a counselor before for a year or two, or maybe you haven't tried this stuff before. So where Paul is at right now, he's very self-aware and he's worked on this stuff. So the conversation we're having right now is all about the performance side. So that fear is an interesting one because when you're spending energy in fear, well, that's more energy that you could be using to not burn out as much, if that makes yes. sense. Yeah, it feels like it burns me out faster. Yeah. Yeah. So that fear... When is it worse? Um, the when there's like an accumulation of losses, I would call it right. So, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, let's say client leaves, uh, and maybe the stress of for me at the moment getting all this mentorship stuff that we're running out and on course. Like, I'm the sort of creative lead of most of these things within the business. And so there's, I just end up doing a fuckload of work with it and stuff. If we look at certain things like of the, I don't know, 170 posts we've ever made on social media for things. I think I've done 135 of them or something, right? I do the emails. I do most of the podcast lead. Um, I write the copy, I like all of that kind of stuff. So if there's a lot to be getting done then, and we're just figuring out direction of where we want to take the business. And so there's maybe uncomfortable conversations that sometimes have to be had within the business of the three of us who, who run it. Um, and then, you know, maybe my girlfriend is less pleased because I'm not as uh, with her <laughs> sometimes, like emotionally or just like I'm there, but I'm not always there uh, kind of thing or I'm not paying as much attention. And then a client like so it's that accumulation of those things. I think that's that's when I would say I struggle the most. Client leaves, lots to do, directional, hard conversations, overall yep. mentorship stuff. Yeah. Great. 
And where in your body do you experience that fear? Is it in your chest? Is it in your stomach? Is it in your head? Who's going to point into your body? Where does that come up? It's not stomach. Um, I would probably, it's a good question. He- definitely head and maybe a bit heart. It's almost more of a sense of like physical lethargy to some degree. It feels like having to move through treacle a bit. Like every act is like, oh, fucking, okay, right. Is it heavy? Is it a heavy feeling? Yeah, heavy is a good way of describing yeah. it. Got it. And is there pressure or no pressure when this happens? Pressure. I would say there's pressure. Is it hot or is it cold? Mm, I would lean it towards hot, but I wouldn't describe it massively as either. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. I'm just painting a picture because feelings are really fucking blurry. <laughs> yeah, they are. They just sort of spill over everything. But what we're doing here for the listener is we're putting some context and some borders around this. So we know that when a client leaves mentorship stuff, there's lots to do, direction and hard conversations. Uh, we know that Paul is getting a feeling in his head and his heart. And it's, it's, it's a physical feeling. It's heavy. So there's pressure. It's hot. So Paul can come away from this conversation and go, okay, well, I'm now self-aware of this. He will now be... When that comes up, he goes, oh, it's just the fear's back. Okay, okay, brilliant, brilliant. Okay. So this is where we go into the belief because there'll be a belief in there. Yeah. So when this fear is happening, and this won't be the belief that you're carrying around all of the time, but just in this specific moment, you've had some downtime, you've had too much on your plate. A client has said, I'm leaving and I'm not going to tell you why. And they've just gone, on top of that, you've had a hard conversation with three of the guides. So this fear is starting to, starting to turn up. What is it that Paul believes about himself to be true in that moment? In that sentence with I, I am or I'm not. I guess at heart, there is that fear of going, oh, maybe I'm not quite good enough to run all of this and to make all of this work. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely an element of that or of going, and I, I think I could break it apart. Like I very rarely these days doubt my capacity as a, as say a coach um, or as a, as an educator, but maybe as a business owner and kind of runner and a feeling of I'm making this up, <laughs> right? And going, I, why am I in charge of steering this fucking shift? I don't know where I'm going, right? And just sort of trying to identify where that's going, but okay, what if I just get this completely fucking wrong? And, and, yeah. and I, this is, there's a bunch of wasted potential here because I think there's yeah. a, the possibility of something pretty good man, what, I, am I the guy to do it? I don't know. Brilliant, brilliant. And yeah, look, again, this is the one to 5% tweaks. Because if you speak to a therapist, therapist can go, you're stable, Paul. Right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah. I'm not listening. I'm not looking for stable. I'm looking for elite world-class performance. So the conversation that we're having, this is where we're just, just shaving off some of the edges. These are the, these are the things where you've got an Ikea table that's been put together. And it goes, right, you can have your chops on there. Brilliant. Whereas this is where I'm taking that same table, the same materials, and we're cutting it in half and putting a layer of glass in the middle and giving it a nice teak finish. We're just polishing off the sides. That's essentially what, what we're I'm doing. I'm still offended that I'm an Ikea table in this example, but thanks, mate. Oh, no, you are, you've done 10 years of this. So you are like a long, grand <laughs> table. The mar- you know, between the ones with the marble inserts. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm, and I'm just going around, okay, right, but we just need to, you know, we just need to buff some of this out a little bit. It needs a bit of TLC and maybe yeah. just shame underneath some of this uh some of this fear but the the belief you've got there in this specific area again because a lot of people will think this carries over to everything else it doesn't the, the stuff that we work on is very mm. specific um i'm not 
quite good enough. That's the common human neurosis. That's what every single human being on the planet is, is afraid of. We're all afraid of not being good enough and not afraid of not being lovable. That's yep. essentially it. And this comes up in a number of, of different ways. And our job is to spot those and just keep chipping away at them. So uh, let's complete this sentence. I'm not quite good enough when this fear is mm. happening. I'm not quite good enough because. Hmm. Because if I was, I suppose then the next place, this wouldn't be happening. Um, you know, the, I would be able to manage all this stuff. It would be going smoother than this. There's a funny assumption, isn't it? Uh, this is a good question. Um, for those reasons that as I'm speaking, I'm realizing the assumptions to some degree <laughs> built yeah. into, built into a bunch of them of going, yeah, this one. And then I mean, I know one of Kieran's questions, which I'm confident he's now going to ask me is like, what did you expect? Right. Of going was, you know, okay. So a good person would have this be smooth sailing, would they? But then this is me getting ahead. So if I just stick to the thing, right, of going, I am not good enough because if I was, I would be able to juggle all this. I would be able to move through these emotions faster. I wouldn't have them. <laughs> I would have a business that doesn't have exposure to them. It, I suppose there's some presumption in there of something like that. Yeah. Well, what I wrote down is I'm not good. I'm not quite good enough because if I was, this wouldn't be happening to me. Mm. <laughs> and this means, and that means, and that means, well, I suppose it becomes maybe self-fulfilling. And that means that that means that I'm not good enough. Um, which becomes circular. Yeah. So this is the loop. This is the line of code um, that's happening in the unconscious mind of Paul right now. This is great. This is really great. I've always wanted to do this with somebody on the podcast, but I haven't had anybody confident enough and, and open enough to actually kind of go I'm, and share. I'm glad this idea was okay in that case. <laughs> whenever, I have, whenever I have tested this stuff, I kind of get a wishy-washy answer. Um, uh, I sometimes doubt my ability, but I know I can pull it around. That's not really the belief. Whereas Paul has been very open here and it takes a lot of courage to, to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm writing stuff. I mean, um, one of the, while, you, while you scribble in that case, I like, if you're listening to this, I've been through therapy and this type of stuff for like 10 years type thing. And I would say the first time I ever started speaking about struggles, it did take a lot of courage and it was terrifying to be open. And I cried a lot every time these words would come out of my mouth because it was scary. I would also say the longer I've done it, the less courage it takes because actually, and that's a nice place to get to with it. Like I'm sure there'll be bits in this conversation where I might get a bit like, Oh fuck. Right. And, and I'll have those little moments. Um, but it requires much less bravery from me now than it did back then. So, you know, if you, if you're in a different boat at the moment, please don't think that I started <laughs> feeling this comfortable doing, doing this either. Yeah. Takes a lot of experience and a lot of courage to get to this place. But again, you've been in the gym for ten years. Yeah, you know, I only learned, I only started learning squat, how to squat in in twenty twenty one. Okay, I did a little bit when I was boxing, but boxing was pretty old school when I was fighting. It was like ah, weights that'll make you slow. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, but me, when I was learning how to squat, it was like fucking hell. This is scary. Are people looking at me? Is this correct? Oh my god, am yeah. I going to break my back? Do I need a belt? Do I not? All yeah, of that yeah. stuff. You've already got all of that out of your system and if you're if you've done maybe a little bit of therapy a little bit of counseling this is something very different but mm. it's the, the metaphor that i use is therapy and counseling is more general population how can i get somebody healthy uh, 
total mental performance is world-class strength and conditioning coach. How can we get this person winning world titles in, in what they do? And that when you, when you understand it like that, this is where we just go into this little detail. Um, okay. So if we shifted this fear, yeah, what would happen? Uh, shifted in, in what sense? It went, or we brought it down by 70 to 80%. Okay. Um, if it wasn't there, I'd be worried that I didn't care. I'd be worried that I'd be arrogant. Um, I'd be worried that I was uh, hoping for something unreal. I think I'd be, I, I think if, if it wasn't there ever, I, I'd be dreaming of some kind of utopia. And so I think perhaps the, the second thing that you said of like the decrease in its impact is, is probably the, the more realistic one, which again, if you listen to this is probably an important thing to, to note, I suppose, of going often we long for something internally that isn't achievable. You, you started this thing by saying, you know, it's not the absence of suffering, but the mastery of it to some degree. Um, so we've got that. So the, it would be the, if we could lower it, it would be faster to accept and move forwards in a positive manner from. Then what would happen? How would that be helpful? I would be, I suppose I would be able to get two things. I would be able to get more done that sometimes I find it harder to do because I'm feeling a bit emotionally overwhelmed mm -hmm. uh, and, or I would find it easier to switch off and actually recharge in those moments when I wasn't working. So Great. it would help me get the work done better when I was working and switch off from the work when I want to switch off from the work. Well, there's kind of like a, there's like a two X multiplier there, which is, well, I'll get more done and I'll rest more, which means I'll get even yeah. more done. Okay. So if you got more done and you switched off more and it was easy for you to switch off, what would the outputs and what would the effects of that be for you personally, professionally? I think professionally, efficiency, uh, an enjoyment of the work, possibly a little bit more. That depends on you know, quite what I've got going on at any one time as to what type of task. Some tasks are just inherently a bit more enjoyable than others. But I think it would, yeah, it would allow me to enjoy the work more because I wouldn't be acting from this, fuck, I've got to pick clients back up or I've got to do this thing because it's just coming from a shit, shit, shit perspective. It would, there would be more comfort, confidence in the knowledge that things will be okay. They'll probably be fine. I've, I've done this before. I know how to kind of do this. There'd be less of the um, unconscious catastrophizing maybe that's going on within there. And then in my personal life, the ability to be more present, right? Of to be like, okay, we're here. And my internal brain wants to keep talking about this work problem <laughs> that, yeah. that my partner doesn't give two fucks about other than she cares that yeah. I'm upset or, you know, I can just be there with my friends and, you know, my godson or I can, what have you like i would say actually one of the few places i find that i can i do switch off i play five aside on a friday evening i like that hour because yeah. cool it's, it's easy when you're sweating running around having a good time to forget yeah. whatever else is, is going on and sometimes so I, I play music sometimes doing that is is helpful but then i'd had a few gigs recently and i hadn't gigged in like 15 years and yeah. so I was thrown into this band that played together a bunch of times and there's like 25 new songs to learn. And we had all of four rehearsals before 
before a paid gig. So I was like, this is normally a de-stressor, but now I'm stressed, right? Because I've got to get this fucking, <laughs> fucking thing right. Um, so music can be an escape and, and usually is a little bit, but uh, probably wasn't just due to the, the reality of, oh crap, you're about to do a thing you haven't done in 15 years. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. that tends to be a tiny bit stressful and I would expect it to be. Okay. So you, you'd move on quicker, you'd switch off quicker, you'd become more efficient, you'd be more present in your personal life, um, you'd be able to rest more and you'd become, you'd have more enjoyment in your work. Hmm. Great. Well, tangibly, what do you think that would do for the business? If you was turning up with that energy, a bit sharper, a bit more present, a bit more enjoyment. So I think one thing I'm quite good at, depends what we mean by the business, but I, I suppose actually for this, if it's client facing, so if it's in the PT project, it's, you know, turning up for the live calls, when the camera goes on, when I'm doing a check-in, most people won't have any idea whether I'm in a good or bad spot. I think my ability to perform, quote unquote, in those scenarios is pretty good, regardless of how I'm feeling, unless my world has completely imploded, which happened earlier this year, but hadn't happened for the best part of 10 years type thing. Um, so in that sense, I don't think that would change. I think what would change is the tasks that are underneath that, whether that's getting slides ready for stuff, whether that's uh, sitting down and writing the content creation, whether it's admin tasks, all those bits and pieces, that shit gets put off. Uh, and I find it hard to want to engage in those things. And it becomes a much bigger chore to engage in those things when, when feeling particularly crappy. Okay. If you don't shift the fear, what will happen? It doesn't have to be my world will end. No, because no, I, I, that's why I was, I was taking my time a little bit. Because the... But you think about it. If you don't shift this, what, what will happen? I don't think anything terrible because I, a lot of my clients have been with me for a, a long period of time. And so I'm not really actually worried that, fuck, everyone's going to leave. Real. I don't think I believe that strongly. I think I'll be like, shit, my income's going down. <laughs> and those things I wanted to do and they're now proportionally a little bit more expensive. And so then, okay, um, so there's, there's some of that of like, okay, buying a house. All right. That might take a little bit longer or some of those things are, a bit more present. Maybe that holiday is going to be a bit, oh, the, the plan of going away every month. Oh, maybe I should change that kind of a little bit. The freedom that ideally comes with having a successful business is feels a bit less free. Yeah. But if, if I don't shift the fear, I think I'm left with just a bit more of a drain with just feeling like a hat, like it's just harder to do everything than, sometimes I feel like it should be and it lingers longer than it should be. Yeah. I don't expect it to be absent because I think that's naive, but so if it's not there, it's not that it's not there. It's that it's there for less it's processed faster and um, it doesn't feel as heavy in me, I suppose. Let me ask another question. What do you miss out on? What potential do you potentially not realize with this fear there i don't get as, i don't get as much done like uh stuff that should be ticked off quickly that i want to tick off quickly because i enjoy personally more of the creative tasks which is probably unsurprising but sometimes those are secondary to doing the other stuff right that are the fundamental things within within running a business um and 
you know, I was monging out and watching some fucking YouTube history clip or like music thing or whatever it is that I'm like, oh, I'm just going to chill for a bit because there's a million messages to reply to in, you know, the client WhatsApp, then your personal kind of one, then there's the emails, then there's the gram, then there's the get it. Like, you're like, ah, oh. <sighs> okay. It's almost like I have to psych myself up for those things sometimes. Uh, and so finding the enjoyment in being able to look forward to them perhaps, or yeah, enjoying that aspect of, of the business, which is, I think inescapable in coaching, <laughs> as I'm saying these words, I'm sure it must be something you experience because you're dealing with so many people's problems a lot of the time, like coaching to some degree is a, a job of problem solving and often exploring what those problems are before you can even figure out what the solution to a problem is. And so you're taking on this person's problem and this person's problem and this person's problem and this person's problem all the, all the time. And when you're drained yourself, your ability to want to jump back into that problem pool is like, <sighs> right. <laughs> and then, then there's a bit of guilt, actually, I think I feel for not being as, as quick on that as maybe I would like to be sometimes. So maybe there's, actually, maybe there is something I'd be better at with coaching within that as a result. Yeah. So what I've just done there is I've just explored on a very top level with the time that we have is understanding this fear. So I'm going to play this back and you can say, Paul, sorry, sorry, Kieran, you've nailed it on the head. This is Paul in relation to fear. Um, or you can say, Kieran is a complete fucking miss. You weren't listening. Don't know what they're talking about. I'm not even going to release this podcast, but essentially <laughs> you're in a good spot. Like you are in a good spot. And right now it's a performance and abundance play versus a rebuild play. And, and that's great. And, you know, you've been doing this stuff a while. Um, ultimately, the, the big trigger for this fear, which is experienced in the head and the, uh, the head and the heart, that heavy pressure, hot feeling happens when you have more white space, a client's left. There's a hell of a lot happening on the, the mentorship side, directional stuff, and then also the hard conversations. And the belief that's underpinning that is... Uh, I'm not quite good enough because if I was, this wouldn't be happening to me. Uh, and this means uh, this is self-fulfilling and that just comes back to I'm not good enough. Now, if we shift it, or we at least take it down 70 or 80%, we're ultimately just going to move forward quicker. We're going to make mm -hmm. decisions quicker. We're going to get work done quicker. We're going to be able to rest a hell of a lot more, uh, which then means we get more done. And then it also means we become more productive. And that's the, that's the cycle that we're really looking at if we don't shift it it's not the end of the world and you know you don't have to go through a whole tmp process right now to completely change the game nothing's going to come crashing down and or whatever but the, the thing that you're sacrificing is a little bit of freedom that comes with the business because things are a bit more of a drain and you just don't get as much done um so that's my synopsis of of what i see around the fear and the reason i'm asking you before we go into the next bit on a scale of one to ten how much does that hit the nail on the head yeah, it's pretty close. That's like, a, a, you know, an eight or a, a nine probably within there. The only things I was like, the white space. I don't know that I struggle with the white space as much as like, there's always things to be doing. So it's not even necessarily just in that. It's sometimes I will put off doing things that aren't downtime, as it were. They're, they're things where I could be doing and should be doing something. And I'll be like, no, I need to process this a little faster because actually if I can do that, then I'll be better at doing this thing. And I think there's truth to that sometimes. Um, but I also think I could be better at shifting it faster kind of within there. Otherwise, the rest is is pretty much bang on, not having it linger as much, uh, as I said. By the way, if you're also, I think if you listen to this as a coach, even if you're not doing a TMP 
thing within this, what Kieran's just done, which is listen to me, make notes, repeat back in a synopsized manner is the best move you will ever make for having your client feel understood because it means you will have actually took the time to really try and listen. And even if you're just trying to solve fat loss problems, I promise you that type of process is super, super useful. Yeah, it's just understanding, okay, this, this person has listened to me. Yeah. Great. Because that every human being wants to be understood. Yeah. And all of our problems come from feeling misunderstood. And that's hard. And if you struggle to articulate yourself, then you feel even more misunderstood and you feel yeah. even more not enough, not worthy. But when you get somebody that goes, oh, oh, this person understands me. Okay, they've listened. Great. Then the connection on that call and the attention and the focus you'll have from the client will be a hell of a lot faster. Yeah. The reason I asked you if we shift this, what will happen is because we want to understand, okay, well, is this worth working on? And if none of the mm. upside is really <laughs> worth it, then I'd, I'd just say to you, no, let's not waste any time on this. This isn't going to be the answer. Um, if we sit, and when we're asking about what happens if you don't shift it, we're trying to understand the consequences. Uh, is, is this worth working on or, or not? Um, and what was interesting, I noticed the double bind, which was uh, I'm, you, you have a relationship with this fear, which is it keeps me in check. I'm worried I'd be arrogant without it. I'm worried I didn't care. Mm. You, are, you are using this, this fear mm. in a way to drive more performance but is it the most optimal way? Well, I don't know, but there's a balance, which is why there was a part of you that was like, I don't want to get rid of it because what if, what if I become arrogant and what if uh, I, I, I come across as I don't care or, or what? So there, there's, there's an element that's being held onto there, which is a double bind, which is interesting. So as I'm listening to that, it's like, okay, well, is that going to stop Paul from right. making that breakthrough? Actually, is this a good thing for him? Because some people use fear in a very, very good way. So maybe I don't want to mess with that. And that's my call as a mental performance coach to figure out for, for Paul. Okay, well, do I really want to completely uproot this? Or actually, do we need to keep a little bit in there? And Paul will have the answers for himself with the techniques that, that we use. Um, so if we look at therapy and counseling, it's very much focused on the past. How does that make you feel? What is this about? If we look at uh, life coaching, it's very much on you know, the, the future and positive psychology. Uh, I believe as a performance coach, you need the context of all three, the past, the present and the future. So um, the way that I would deal with this fear, it just depends on timings and how far you want to take this. I would be on just trying to understand the root cause of where was this belief born? Where was this moment born? Uh, and then on the flip side, the thing we're going to do in a moment is understanding, okay, well, if we're going to uninstall fear, from the unconscious program. Well, what program are we going to install instead? That's that's the bit. And we'll, we'll explore that now. So mm -hmm. I want you to imagine, you said you mentioned earlier about gaming. Do you like gaming? I do. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to imagine I've just pressed eject and I'm just taking the fear disc out. Okay. <laughs> what, um, so why were we playing that game? That's a terrible game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been playing we'll put that in. <laughs> yeah. Whoopsies. <laughs> uh, what disc are we going to put instead? And if you're listening to the reason I've asked this question and I'm using video games is I'm operating in Paul's model of the world. If I'm coaching a, a boxer, I'll use boxing metaphors. If I'm coaching a football player or a rugby player, you can use those. But we're going to use gaming here. So if we uninstall that, if we, took, if we remove the fear disc, what emotional state do you want to experience instead? What are we going to put into the, into the game? Mm, that is a good question. Instead of fear. So we're putting in an emotional state. Yeah. Excitement. Brilliant. Fuck yeah. This flavor of excitement, mm. this game of excitement, can you think of a time when you had it, when you were playing this game in that state? Yes. Um, 
so I used to be an actor, so I would get it often um, before you'd start a new show, rehearsing for it before you go on stage. I'll still get a bit of that before I perform anything really. So that can be just in front of a crowd. It can be before I play music. It's it's it. <laughs> we're at Chick sent me high, I suppose, with flow stuff and going like it's that bit where I'm finding like okay, I can fucking do this, and um, like the challenge is also reasonable. I get it a little bit even in um, creating uh, content for like courses and materials and some of the education stuff of like, I do get an element of excitement being like, this is going to be fucking great. I'm better than anyone else is within this stuff. And I, I trust my ability to, as, to make that. So I find there is, there's some there. Amazing. Thank you for educating me on um, how to pronounce uh, Chicks and Me High. Chicks and Me High. Yeah, you, you corrected me as I was struggling furiously at the supercharged event in person. <laughs> Uh, that was very helpful. And There's I, my arrogant state. <laughs> I internalized that, so thank you. Um, I want you to think about a, a show where you felt particularly excited, where it really that feeling really shone through. Can you think of a yep. particular show? Yep. Great. So that show, um, when that's happening, I want you to really, really think about that feeling of excitement. And where in your body does that feeling come up for you? Is it in your chest, your back, your shoulders, your head? Is it all over? Chest and hands. <laughs> Chest and hands. Good. Describe that feeling. Is it heavy or is it light? No, it's uh, like a light electricity. It's almost like you, there's almost like a levitation. Great. It's yes. like weird because even as I'm saying it, it makes me slightly emotional. Good. <laughs> like I feel myself on the edge of like, oh, wow. I'm, mm. <laughs> I could cry here. <laughs> yeah. Is it hot or is it cold? It's colder than the heavy feeling, but it's not cold. Is it warm? Yeah. A little bit, like a hug. <laughs> Great. Excellent. That's what we want. Brilliant. And if it had a color, what color would this feeling be? This state? It's like a ready orange. Brilliant. Just a side note on this as a performance hack. Uh, if you can figure out the hex code for that ready orange. Um, oh, nice. You can use that as a trigger or a cue. So one of my um, one of my athletes is uh, been to Wimbledon the last couple of years, and uh, fortunately, unfortunately, you can only wear white, but you can get away with stuff in the lining of the bag. You can get away. Oh, with right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so his peak performance color is blue, and that has him calm and confident. So by bringing this color into your world, it can really help. For me, white create space as a kid i felt trapped through adhd and my environment so if you look at where i live now very high ceilings floor to window floor to ceiling windows and everything in here is just white yeah Love it. so that that for me is a peak performance color is it is white it gives me space gives me energy so you can do that as a as a coach you can you can and you can help clients with this on their squats on their deadlifts or okay well how do you want to feel instead and just run the same playbook go back listen to it write down the questions i wrote but we've got We've got a good basis there. So that ready orange, you can you can use that and just put it somewhere. Maybe it's in front of you, maybe it's in your, your brand it, whatever, whatever you decide. Okay. So when that excitement was happening, mm. you're about to go on stage. You're feeling that you're almost levitating. What is it that Paul believed himself, believed about himself to be true in that moment? Again, that sense of I, I am what I'm not. That's interesting. And don't hold back. Don't feel like no. you have to be humble for the podcast. Go no, no, no. It's in, no. I think the thing that was interesting to me is I immediately went slightly defensive. 
And I went, well, you know, I, when I put myself in that mode, one of the things that jumps at me immediately is the fear of what if I'm wrong? <laughs> what if I think I'm way better than everyone else thinks that I am within this? of being? And I had that always as an actor, actually, as well, which was, you know, I got award nominated for a whole for a bunch of different kind of things um performance wise and that i was always really terrified of thinking okay i think i'm quite good at this but what if i'm the only one <laughs> thinking it what if i'm the only one who thinks i'm that i am what if everyone else is sat there being like how does he think he's any good at this why is he there with everyone else that i'm in a show with that i think is wonderful and you know i'm thinking of a show i did called view carré which is a tennessee williams play and there's a, an actress in it called um, Nancy Crane who played a character called Mrs. Wyatt. And I would have watched her fucking read a phone book. She was so good at everything. I fucking adored working with her. And part of me was always like, and the girl opposite me, Sam, was was excellent. And the, the whole cast pretty much was was great. And part of me was like, how am I fucking in this? <laughs> and yet there's a part of me that definitely goes, Oh no, you are. And you must be because you get a good reaction to it. Like I would always feel embarrassed during the applause at the end as though, as though people are just clapping for me because they have to at that point, but really they're giving the praise for everyone else. And yet there's before a show, there's a, there is another voice in me that is like, let's fucking go. And yeah, you can do this. You're really good at this. Like you're better than most people that you know within this. And you love this experience. This process feels life-affirming. It feels exciting. Mm. Um, there you go. There's that emotion. <laughs> and, and yet that feeling, I don't think I've ever had that feeling without the, de without the other voice that wants to go, what if you're wrong then? Don't be that, yeah. that asshole of things, you know? There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the thing you said earlier, which is I kind of need the fear to, to be successful. Yeah. Uh, and that's taken you to a level, which is great, but that might not be the thing that takes you to the next level. Because mm. the level of thinking that got us into this room isn't the level of thinking and feeling that's going to take us to the next room. But that's brilliant. So um, let's just dial down the self-doubt voice for a minute. Let's turn the volume down on that one, however you've internally processed that. And let's turn the guy up on let's fucking go. <laughs> what is the let's fucking go guy? What does he believe about himself to be true in that moment? And don't hold back. Begin that with I, I am what I'm not. I, yeah, God, that's hard to do. Fucking hell. Um, it's, that is, I find that unbelievably difficult to do and to say. I don't think I've ever noticed that. And that's impressive after 10 years of doing this kind of stuff to have not had this moment. Well done you. Um, I am... Um, um, <laughs> oh, see, I'm even because I'm sitting here being like, oh, the people listen to this podcast are now going to think, oh, he is that asshole. That's what's happening internally as I about to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is this is why I said to you at the beginning, um, this stuff is hard to do in a public setting. Yeah, really but I, I, also, I don't care too much about that because I'm also aware that there's, I think there's value in it. And that's further yeah. putting off the thing that we're working on. So well, it's sort of a fair judgment happening here. Yeah. Say what say. People are going to think I'm an Arab and stuck up prick. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, no, that's not what's going to happen because we all have this inside us. So just go for it. I am. I'm a fucking great actor. I'm great at holding the attention of an audience. I know how to listen to a crowd. I can hold their attention in the palm of my fucking hand. Uh, I can play some roles better than anyone you've ever seen do fucking anything. Um <laughs> 
this is where I'm meant to be. Ugh, God, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fucking great actor, and this is where I'm meant to be. Because? Because it was one of the few things that as a, as a teenager that came kind of naturally to me, I think. I remember being... Um, I was always a, a kid who was quite good at most stuff. So I was pretty academic. I was pretty sporty. I was pretty musical. I was, you know... I was in the top sets for all of those things. and But I was never the best, right? I was good across a large domain, but never amazing. And then we didn't start doing any acting stuff until I was in year 10 or year nine. I forget exactly when, 14, let's call it, something around that age. And it was just this thing that I did and I could do. And I was like, oh, I'm better than everyone else here, <laughs> right? And it felt easy. And it was, you know, as a kid who grew up with acne, um, uh, and, and didn't feel particularly like attractive or what have you. There was something freeing about pretending to be someone else. I found a confidence in it. I found a, an outlet for these various parts of me that were probably always there. And so from that kind of moment, I was like, oh, this, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is who I am with, with these things. And, you know, there comes, it's hard to separate how much of that was part of the praise that I would also get from that because I can't quite remember what it was like to be 14 and be in that boat, but I kind of knew it internally as well. And I, there was, here's an interesting one as well. I had a trust in my ability that decreased in the first couple of years of drama school because you've forever been pulled apart for a fucking million things. I felt like a worse actor in the first couple of years of training than I did afterwards. Arguably, I think I'd be better now than I was when I left because I, I think I trust my gut feeling on some of those things. Like, no, no, this is what I want to do. And this is where I want to go with this. And maybe that internal voice is quieter now than it used to be. It's still clearly not that quiet though, is it? <laughs> Here we go. I'm a fucking great actor. This is where I'm meant to be because this comes naturally to me. And this means? This means. Well, and that means. I don't know what that means. Does that mean that that's, if there is a life's purpose, is it about finding the things that come naturally to you and acting in accordance with them? Maybe. In which case, that's what it means. <laughs> uh, and then we're back at some circular thing. Or this what means... Does mean? What does it mean about Paul? I'm a fucking great actor. This is where I'm meant to be. I can do this. And that means... That means I can serve other people and myself. I think people need stories. We love stories. And that means we need people to tell them and we need people to hold their attention. And I have an ability to do that that most people don't. And I think that connects people. I think I love, I love public speaking for the same reasons. I think I, think I like writing for the same reasons. Um, yeah, breathe. It's a connection thing. I think it's connection. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. How much fucking better would it be turning up with this excitement to fucking connect and serve other people versus questioning whether we're good enough or whether we can really do that? Can you see, you can see the two lines of code that's happening. One line of code is 
uh, things aren't going my way and this is what well, I know for a fact, mate, if I, if, if you were up on stage and we turned the lights off and all we had was a torch for a spotlight, we took the speaker off and you had to shout, you'd go, fuck it, bring it on. Right. Because you're operating in this excitement space, but for whatever reason, when you're in this business space, this is where this fear, I'm not good enough. Can I really do this? If I, cause, cause there's, there's a belief, which is you have to be a natural at, at something for things to be good. <laughs> If, 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 if I wasn't, if I was good enough, these things wouldn't be happening. Whereas I know for a fact, if you're operating out of excitement, you just walk through those things. You'd be like, oh, fine, yeah. fine. Well, I'm here to connect and serve others. So these are the two, these are the two conflicting things. And you will operate out of this guy when you're on stage. I know it. I've seen it with my own two eyes <laughs> twice. So I know, it. but it's in the moments when you're not on stage. It's in yeah. the moment where. And this is a boxing phrase, which I absolutely love, is champions are made when no one's looking. Mm. Champions are made when no one's looking. It's in those quiet moments where you've got your chicken and your rice and you've got a big fat slice of cake or it's cold <laughs> and raining outside. So you could fuck this one off because no one will know about it, but you will know about it. That's the moments where this stuff comes in. And this is where the internal battle of, am I going to operate out of fear? And we can use fear as a motivator. I don't want to get knocked clean out. All right, and go running. Uh, or ah, fuck it, I'm, this is going to help me become more gritty and more resilient. Uh, and when I do get in the ring, I'm going to think, oh, I have to run through the rain. One of the things I used to do was, if I have to get on a plane somewhere, I do the same thing in public speaking. You're getting it. If I have to get on a plane to come and fight you, you're getting it. <laughs> so it's, it's internalizing that out of, all right, fucking, let's go. Yeah. Abundance, like let, let's have it. So um, as a as a mental performance coach, looking at, at what I'm seeing, we're already at a seven and a half, but I can easily see how we can get to an eight and a half and a nine if we can really fucking nail just this bit. And then the rest of the dominoes will start to fall. So there's two ways there's two ways we can go with this, depending on time and how comfortable that you, you feel on this. Um I've if you need to jump off. No, I'm good. We can keep we can run over. Uh so I've I've got some time for another uh about 50 minutes um, to explore this. And then secondly, um, we can actually start to explore an intervention. Now, I don't know if it's going to work right now in a po podcast in a public setting, but we can try. We can Let's try. We've come this far. The people should see. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look, if anything that comes up that you feel like, actually, you know what? I, I don't want to, to share that. We can still make the intervention without you sharing it publicly. So now let's, uh, go, let's go for it. I'm, I'm pretty open at this point. Okay, so we're going to use a technique called timeline. I don't know if you've used it before. Um, it's a way of accessing previous memories uh, mm. to go back and reprocess that. So when I talk about the unconscious line of code, they're often born from when we were younger. So mm. by going there in a safe space to, to be able to unlock that, you can actually pass on the learnings and the wisdoms you have now as an adult to that kid in order to help them unlock that and then move them forward back to, to now which then allows us to go look into the future with that line of code updated. So cool. if you're going to point in a certain direction as to where the future is, which direction would you point? In front of you, behind you, right, left? <laughs> well, part of me, my first reaction was forwards, and then part of me went, it should be up, really, shouldn't it? But <laughs> I pointed forwards. And yeah. the past is behind you? Yeah. Great. That's how you interpret time. Sure. That's your timeline. Some people are left to right. I've had clients that are up to down. I've had people on all sorts of... 360 spectrums, but yours is forward. Forward and back. Yeah, I would say forward and back. Great. So close your eyes and visualize <laughs> visualize those timelines. Mm -hmm. If they had a color, what color would they be? 
they change from blue in the past to actually back towards that kind of ready thing as we move forward. Okay. Okay. So keep your eyes closed. We're going to keep our eyes closed for this exercise. Okay. If you was going to move above that line, is it easier for you to move yourself above the line or to stay still and move the line underneath you? Easier for me to move. Okay. And if you're going to move along those lines, is it easier for you to move or for me you to move. stay still? Brilliant. Yeah, me to move. Get in touch with the fear. Mm -hmm. That heady heart, that pressure, that heavy, hot feeling. And if you were to ask your unconscious mind the first event connected to this feeling, such that by going back to it would allow you to let it go completely and for good, would it be a time before you were five, between no. five and ten, or after you were ten? After I was ten. Brilliant. Good. So I want you to just follow that feeling back. And if you feel comfortable, mm -hmm. share. If you don't feel comfortable, don't share. We can still do the work. Um, <clears throat> you want me to share? If you're just going to describe roughly how old you are and what's going on in this scene, what's going on? So I would have been 12 or 13, I think. And <laughs> this was my first kiss. And it was at the Rugrats in Paris film. <laughs> and uh, there's a girl called Felicity Flick. And I know there must be four or five of us. And we did, dumb. But we did a thing of, like, we all kissed Flick in like <laughs> some kind of rotating conveyor belt thing. That, that's fine. But and then I was, I was pleased with this because this was my first kiss. So it was like a big deal. Uh, and then I, it was like a week, maybe two weeks later, during the summer holidays, I was at my nan's um, which is in a place called Telford and playing some kind of video game. And my phone rang, so like early days of mobiles. And I just had some people sing your shit and you know you are down the phone to me about my incredible kissing capacity. Uh, so that's the, I think that's the first time I remember that yeah. uh, feeling. Thank you for sharing. Good work. Good work. There's a connection between this event and that fear you've had up until now. What's the connection? That even though I felt good about something, it wasn't actually good and it was uh, an illusion. Okay, good work. Well done. Well done. Let's just um, just ask the unconscious mind, if there was an event even earlier than this connected to that fear, how much further back would you go? I don't know. I don't have a crazy amount of memories from being young. I remember someone passing away. I have a couple of memories of silly little things, but none that jump at me. Massively. Uh, I remember it's a different feeling though. I remember being, probably must have been about eight. I remember being at Euro Disney and my, I have two younger brothers. Just There's only 18 months between me and the middle one and then another 18 months between him and the one below. And I was therefore the, the eldest one. And we had to get some kind of train between places at the kind of park. It's like an open train. And I remember having to sit by myself as we went through these things and I felt a bit abandoned and a bit shit and kind of alone within that. But I think that's a slightly different feeling. So it's okay. It's okay. It's come up. 
What's the connection between this moment and this feeling and that fear that you've had up until now? What's the connection? The being young one. Yeah, the eight-year-old one. He's in sat by yourself. You feel abandoned. If there was I think, a, a, I think, I think a, a loneliness, a feeling of having to do stuff by myself, but not really being terrified of having to be alone with that feeling, maybe a bit abandoned with it and being unable to actually deal with that. And if there was an event even earlier than this connected to that fear or this, this abandonment or whatever it is that's coming up in this moment, how much earlier would you go? I don't think I have one. It's okay. I'm going to ask one question and just sit with it. Mm -hmm. If you did. Was there a question there? I don't think I got the end of that. I just heard if you did. Yeah, yeah. So um, the answer might be, no, no, there's there's no more. There is, this is it. This is the end of the line. But yeah, if there was a moment. Ah, got you. Just see if there was a mind. I have some vague feeling of being very shy. And I almost have a feel, I have a slight memory of primary school and I can't remember what it was, but giving a, 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 a speech thing as like a, I'd have been probably similar age, maybe seven or something as part of a Christmas concert and, it, and that feeling very like good, mm -hmm. but and that being surprising to people because I was quite shy before then. Hmm. But that's the only thing that's coming up. Okay. So if you're going to ask yourself, what is the root cause of this fear, this abandonment? Is it this seven, this shy seven-year-old? Is it the eight-year-old on the train? don't know neither of them feel aha that's it you know mm. so i think i'd be picking one but i don't think it would be it doesn't feel right the that's the teenage one feels more 13 year old one feels right yeah that feels more compelling right. get back above your timeline zoom forward to that 12 or 13 year old let's go back mm -hmm. What is it that you at that age can learn from you now, which by learning it means that he can begin to let that go completely and for good? What can I do that would let me let that go for good? I don't know if I've ever let that go for good. <laughs> okay. um, what do you need to know in this moment? I think of intellectual answers. I don't know how much they help or not, but the thing that's coming up is going, well, first off, even if you were crap at kissing at 13, 
That was your first one. Did you imagine you were going to be fantastic? <laughs> um, I, ooh, there you go. That it's okay to not be great at something, and that's fine. Like, you can get better at a thing, all right? That it's okay if people laugh at you sometimes. That's what I would like. Good. Well done. Good work. So just be with that, that kid. Be with him. You mentioned your godson earlier. If he was your mm. godson, what would you let him know? In this moment, he's had exactly the same experience. What would you say to your godson? The thing that comes up is that I, <laughs> I would say I love him. Yeah, good. Fuck yeah. Go there. Go there. Beam him that love. Good work. So if he was to know that, mate, it's your first one, what do you expect? To be fantastic? It's okay to not be great at something and that he's loved? Is there anything else he needs to know in this moment before he lets this go? Yeah, those other people suck a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably just, yeah, they're fucking idiots, right? Like, Good. That would be like, okay, I don't want to slack them off too much. They're young and stupid, but like, you know. You don't have to care about everyone's opinion equally and mostly the people who want to take the piss and make you feel small are the kind of people you don't want to aspire to be anyway. They often don't do anything with their lives particularly. Fuck them. Good. Yeah. Fuck them. Good work. Good work. Is there anything else he needs to know before you this guy? Not that I think he'd listen to. <laughs> I think you're going to have to walk through some painful things. And you're going to care what people think, because of course you are. But I would hope that there could be a stillness inside you that didn't react to those other voices so much. There'd be a security and a, a trust, a knowledge, a belief that the most important of all the opinions is your own. So just taking a minute to check in on the little guy. We've got all of this information. He's starting to internalize it. He's loved. The only important opinion for him is his own. Building that stillness, that security. 
understanding he's going to have to walk through some painful things, and it's okay. Is there anything else he needs to know or learn before he lets this go? He has to learn how to trust in spite of being hurt. Good. Good. Help him. Whatever way your unconscious mind is, do that. Just help him learn these lessons. strange thing to want to give yourself a hug in the past. Give him a hug. Give him the hug. And whatever way your imagination does this, just implant all of these learnings into that boy. If you give him the hug. give him what he needs. I think I find myself going, I don't know if I know how to give him everything he needs. Just in this moment. Just in this moment. He doesn't need to have life figured out. But this very specific puzzle of fear. And he doesn't have to have all of it figured out right now. Just a few lessons. That would just dial that down a little bit. Calm him down a little bit. I'll put him in a better place than where you left him. So passing on these learnings in whatever way your unconscious mind would do this. So when you look at him, you know that he knows all of this. You know that he knows he's loved. He's going to have to walk through some painful things to learn how to trust in spite of being hurt. Just passing on a little bit more stillness and security, a bit more trust, a bit more belief. Take your time, use your imagination and just see what happens. Whether you hand him something, whether you beam it to him, you just give him another hug. However you do that. I think I help him walk. Hmm. Hmm. It's like walking through a mist. Walking through the mist.
you can change that picture. However, you do that in your unconscious mind to help him instill these beliefs, these learnings. Like a sense of walking through some kind of dark woody mist thing. Mm. I feel like I want to walk it to some kind of meadow, but I can't see the meadow where my mind's eye. That's okay. Take him to any meadow. It doesn't have to be a perfect meadow. <laughs> this is a shit meadow. Could be a shit meadow. <laughs> see where you can take him. Okay, I got it. How much better is that in that meta? It's like a feeling of relief. Good. Excellent. That's it. Great work. So just be with him in the meta. I still feel like it's on the edge of the wood. Because <laughs> okay. I just arrived. Might take you a bit of time. Anything else he needs to know to take a couple more steps away from the wood? He has to know how to trust still, and it's still lacking. I feel like I don't know how to pass that on. So what we're going to do, mate, I want you to imagine old Paul in his rocking chair. Sure. And this guy knows how to trust. He's been there. <laughs> he's done it. He's seen it. He's got the scar tissue. He's been through tragedy. He's been through hardship. And I want you to bring him into this moment with you both in the meadow. What wisdom has he got to teach you both? release you can't control whether someone hurts you or not there's a feeling of ease with that acceptance Because I would have in that feeling, like a feeling of, no, oh, that tenses me up and terrifies me, I suppose. Mm. And I'm kind of a bit in awe that this person seems to be able to be relaxed with that knowledge. Yeah. So if you could use your imagination to have him pass on that learning down to you both, whatever way your imagination would do that. like a strange baptism brilliant go to the strange baptism we're on the process 
he's in charge. He knows what to do. He's been there. He's done it. He's got the wisdom. He's got the t-shirt. He's got the scars. Let him run this baptism however he runs it. So you both can learn a lesson. Like he says, I release you. Brilliant. Like a hand on the forehead. How much better is that? I think I'm still processing. It's okay. Might take some time. It feels like a the collapse you get after dropping a heavy weight. Hmm. Yeah, this is heavy. This is big work. We talk about deep work. This is it. You're doing the hard stuff. almost like a an, an embarrassment to stand up and look people in the eye but like the old guy is like no no <laughs> mm. just stand yeah so listen to him listen to him trust in the inner wisdom because you have it you have it it's inside you says you have nothing to be embarrassed about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it feels such a resistance to that. Ask him, what do I do with this resistance? What's he got to say? It says surrender. Okay. Breathe. You don't have to fight it. There's nothing really there to fight. Mm. So symbolically in your unconscious mind, surrender, breathe, however your imagination gets you to do that. I felt lighter as I said it and then <laughs> there's a feeling of it's not a feeling, it's a vision of wings spreading. 
like some kind of angelic wing. Good. Excellent. Yeah, good work. So put yourself in first person. And the old man, he looks at you now. He looks at younger you, that 12 or 13 year old you with the wings spread. What does he see? How much better is that? There's a pride, I think. There's a there's a pride of that journey and that person, and just a smile. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, great work, Paul. Great work. So we used to take one last moment to just savor this moment be in the meadow your wings spread having just done that exercise having just been had the the baptism i should let all of that go part of you that surrendered breathe it in savor that moment Take a little snapshot. And what I'd like you to do, I'd like to float back above your timeline with all of this below you and in front of you, of you facing the direction of now. From that position, where's that old feeling of fear? Is it there or is it gone? It feels like it's just behind me. Mm. I had an image of it's almost like a <clears throat> like a painting of sorts of like being in the bottom of a valley <clears throat> that was the meadow and to the left of the image is the woods on the top of this hill. <clears throat> and then it drops down into the open of the meadow with a stream running down the bottom and three of us down there and then on the other side of the valley there's like this bright blue sky mountain mm. and at the bottom of the valley there was this little eight-year-old me to the to the left stood behind me now with almost a, the moment of flight happening so there's like a wing spread and both feet are just slightly off the floor and then the old guy stood to the right of that image just across the stream and it's like a moment of just just taking off brilliant go follow that back all three of you you the old guy that 12 or 13 year old and go give that eight year old some help go help him surrender and help him take flight 
looks like Michelangelo's hand in the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. There's a surprising amount of religious metaphors in my imagery. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. That feels lighter. Good, good. So this moment, the eight-year-old flying out of that, float above your timeline so this event is below you and in front of you, with you facing the direction of now. Let's go. And when you think about that feeling, where's that feeling now? Is it there or is it gone? That old fear that used to be there. It's like a memory of a feeling. Mm. But you can't feel the feeling. No, like there was a space Good. where I know that was like a Very memory of it. So going to this moment, that eight-year-old, all four of you now, with that feeling gone, you just notice how much better is that? It's almost like looking at an, an image that's relayed on top of an image where you see that ghostly outline of something that was. Yeah. Good. You can imagine the differences to that child from that day to be different. All the opportunities, how he could think and feel and perform completely different to how he ever did. As you do, just float back above your timeline, coming back towards now, noticing along the way any old events that used to be connected to those feelings and what it is you can learn from those events, which means you've let this go. You've moved on. Take your time. Let me know when you're back above now. Okay, I'm back above now. Brilliant. One last thing. Mm. If there was an event in the future, which if you were to go there, used to be, would have been connected to that old feeling of fear. So an event in the future that used to be connected to that feeling of fear. If you could go there, just visualize yourself there. Just go there now. Just notice how that's different. I think I have the size of one fear that's still bigger than the mountain, I suppose. It's okay. That original no. fear we were speaking about, a client has left. There's a lot to do. I just want you to go into that. Mm. And as you look at that scene, how is that different? How are you experiencing? How are you thinking, feeling, performing different in that now? than perhaps you were before. There's a, a lightness, I think there's still a playfulness. Good. That 
there's a mischievousness actually yeah. to some of it of a smile that says so good so float into first person so your unconscious mind can be aware of exactly what it is how you think how you feel how you perform how you carry yourself your breathing your energy that lightness that playfulness so your unconscious mind can be aware of exactly how you can be from now because you can You've got it in you. But all of this experience is created in the mind first. Savoring that moment. Knowing that you can. I think my head... My head feels lighter than my body. Good. There's still almost a weight in my body that I think my head wants to pull free from. Mm. Well, the fear was experienced as heavy in your head, so your head's feeling lighter. So again, you've processed this emotion, you've processed this line of unconscious code. Brilliant. When you're ready, float back above your timeline, come back towards now. Let me know when you're there. Number. Good. So after the count of five, taking a deep breath, filling up your lungs as much as you possibly can. After the count of four, just noticing your breathing. After the count of three. Noticing any of the noises in the room. After the count of two, noticing the temperature. And after the count of one, and your unconscious mind has processed what it needs in order to absorb all of these learnings and make them stick. You can open your eyes and return to this room. Welcome back. Hey, buddy. Great fucking work. How's that feel? I almost don't know yet. <laughs> it feels different. Almost like I don't know how to label it. Which yeah, is rare for, for me because, you know, I like to label things. Uh, there's a lightness. There's a almost a gravity to it at the same time, which is, that's why I'm, I think I'm finding it hard to describe because it's like a heavy lightness. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel very now. Good. Good. Fear lives in the future. Mm. Fear lives in the future. Good work. <laughs> Good work, buddy. You're going to need to exhale. Uh, I would suggest you go, go get a walk after this. Try and not do too many cognitively demanding tasks um, and give yourself some space to just go breathe and just process this. Maybe do some writing. Um, mm. You might have some weird dreams. You might have zero dreams. Your unconscious mind, we've basically just shaken the 
unconscious snow globe and it's just processing however for those not watching it kieran has a snow globe in his hand that is <laughs> just taken so near us um yeah. hey, that was um eye-opening uh you know i hope anyone listening to this to now break a fourth wall again um found i've not apps you know when you, normally when you're doing a podcast right you have an awareness of what the audience might be taking or thinking and you've got them in mind and the first half of that this podcast very much still had that right we were referencing other people thinking and you know we're saying it okay and then that latter uh, how long was that half an hour whatever that was what <laughs> i was like that could have been amazing for people to listen to it might i've, I've almost no idea because well that was you guys getting, I think, an insight into something where you're not caring what the other people around are thinking or doing because it's not about, no offense, you guys listening to it, right? <laughs> it is now because we're bringing it back to that point. But to give a little look at what some of this stuff looks like in a practical setting, because it can sound super abstract. It can sound, right, we're going to talk to the unconscious mind. Or we're going to do this. So we're going to, and like, unless you already have some experience, I think, with those things, they like, what, what in the fuck do they even mean? <laughs> and I was keen. Because I thought it could be interesting to see within that, and I, I hope that it um, that it was, and uh, you know, at least even from my perspective, that was hugely interesting and of value and to to go through. Um, and you know, I can clearly see why so many people love working with you guys and what you bring to the table. And you know, as someone who's been through a bunch of therapy, even for me, there was a couple of exercises towards the end there of stuff I've not done. That was kind of new. Um, and interesting and i'll be curious to, to see where that goes but uh is there anything you want to add toward the kind of end of that stuff here um for you personally uh just process take your time i also um i want you to whatsapp me if in the next couple of days <laughs> sure. anything if anything comes up it's quite unsettling work right so i don't i'm not i'm not just gonna shake the unconscious snow globe and go say it. so Bye. just, just keep, in, <laughs> keep in touch with me and just to see how this all stabilizes um, in terms of what did we just do there? So if I play back part of the process, um, mm. very open. In fact, that that was me being water, right? Paul just said, I'm going to stick it on you. I've not given you any information. <laughs> Let's, usually when somebody comes to TMP, we have an application form. We've already had an initial call before we do all of that work. So um, for, for, for me to get all of that information into context mapping, okay, well, how can we move things up a level on an emotional standpoint? What are the the thoughts and the feelings, fears coming up, there's a performance gain. Paul's already at a seven and a half. I already know that when he internalizes this over the coming days, this is going to take him up to an eight and maybe an eight and a half. Um, we context map, well, how don't you want to feel? How do you want to feel? Um, something that I'm going to do after this session, and I'm going to send it to you. Uh, I'm going to make a custom recording for Paul to listen to before bed each night, using all of the language, all of the metaphors that we've got written. And that's going to help him uh, process this work between sessions to make sure that this stuff really, really, really sticks. The technique I used uh, is a timeline technique. So we are using his imagination. And if you notice, I wasn't operating in my model of the world. I didn't say, um, you know, right, stand up and knock the guy out. No, no, he said, I got the white, the, the wings have just come out from behind me. I'm operating in his model of the world, not my model of the world. We went back to the root cause of where did the fear come from? We did the work. Paul's got a very active imagination. So he was able to visualize some really beautiful stuff. Some people aren't visual at all. They just feel yeah. it. Some people are very, very practical. Everybody operates differently. But again, with our number one value of be water, that's what we do here at TMP. We adapt, we create, we deliver. 
So in there, once we got to the root cause of the, of the fear, we were able to help him reprocess that in his unconscious mind, taking him back to the present. But that's not enough. We have to help Paul understand that he is capable of change by visualizing the same stimulus that triggered the fear in the past. So now that he's there, what that means is he can now see it. No, I, I can respond differently to these thoughts. I can respond differently to these moments. So now his belief in himself is, is, is going to be even more as this stuff starts to stick. Because not only has he gone back and resolved the past, but he's visualizing into the future. How can I perform in this way? And then we bring it back to the present. So we've dealt with the past. We've also visualized a different uh, future. And then when I send him the recording later to listen to, he's been doing the work between sessions. So again, we're not just here's do some sessions. Let's do some sessions. We have a very mm. specific 18-week um, course where you're doing work like this between the sessions he'll be listening to that to just drill that into his unconscious mind either before bed in the morning on a walk or whenever you're stressed just listen to that and then he's he's laying those foundations so um as you can imagine uh, over four and a half months as we're listening and learning that was just off the cuff hey man <laughs> do some dmp on me but actually if as you, as you listen, so as a coach, I'm always listening to language patterns, whether that's in a session, whether that's the, the, the text that you write me, whether that's a voice note, and I'm writing down all these little notes and just, again, just taking the table and just polishing it just a little bit more, just shaving off a little bit, a little bit of fear, a little bit of embarrassment, just a little bit of that. And that, <laughs> the compound effect of that is really what changes the game. Um, so yeah, that's... Uh, I'm going to be honest, mate. That's one of the best podcasts I've ever shot. It's probably my favorite one I've ever shot. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm, uh, I, I really appreciate it. I was, as I said, it was, uh, I, <laughs> I had this idea the other day. I was like, I want to spring this on Kieran and see what he kind of uh, thinks as, as we do. Um, and I, by the way, it, it's uh, the marker of, a, of an excellent coach in whatever they do to be able to just go into these things and be water, right? That takes a lot of knowledge and confidence in what you do and how you help people and your ability to listen and do all those things that I really think mark out a master of something and uh therefore i had very little doubt that you'd be, <laughs> be excellent at doing so and well i have to say i was right you were excellent at doing that thing mate so it was, Thanks, um, it was an absolute pleasure so thank you very very much uh for that insight for that process for your ability to listen uh, and create a, a comfortable space um to explore that that's all of those are huge skills and i think what you guys do is going to be so so beneficial for so many people so if anyone listening to this if they don't know where to get hold of you guys where's best to come bug you so you can help them yeah well look, if you've listened to this episode and you thought i want to give that a go i want to explore that i want to see if that's right for me and um, just actually quote this so whether it's me or a member of the team that take the call we know okay you've seen that because it means the speed at which we can take that call will be a hell of a lot faster um, insofar as the insights and learnings when you're asking, well, how does it work or, or whatever. Um, but you can catch me on Instagram at Total Mental Performance. Just DM me uh, and say, say that you've listened to this, this episode. Um, if you want to apply to, to just jump on, head to www.totalmentalperformance.com, click apply for a call, uh, select podcast, reference this episode, uh, and I'll make sure that the team gets all over it. Thanks, buddy. I almost don't know how to wrap this up as a result of that. It's been that like, wow. So I suppose I will wrap it up with the word. Wow. Thanks very much, mate. My pleasure. Yes, yes, team. So if you found this episode incredibly helpful and useful for you and you think, you know what, I fancy some of that and literally head to our Instagram bio, head to our website, 
totalmentalperformance.com and click apply for a call. Uh, or if you click the link in our Instagram bio, you'll be able to, uh, to apply for a call there. And in that call, you won't go through the whole process like on that, on that podcast, but what you will get is a clarity call. There'll be a, a next step for you to gain clarity on how can you personally, mentally, emotionally perform on a completely different league and a completely different level. It'd be a very, 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 very powerful. It'd be either with me or a member of my team. Uh, and just reference this podcast because you'll get an extra special bonus on that call as well. So if you found this help, this podcast episode helpful, then do share it with your friends. Do share it with your family. Do drop us a message. Tag us all in and feel free to drop in an application reference to the podcast. Infinite love team. And I'm sure we'll have you back soon.